space, final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And this episode, we're talking about the, the final Barclay Voyager before the Voyager finale. So it's not really the final Barclay Voyager, but kind of is. It's the last standard one. Yeah. And then we're moving on with the yeah. Dominion War. Um, we've got a more exciting Dominion War. Dominion War adjacent this episode, but it, it, it'll... How important it is will become relevant when we get to the next ones, but it's much better than Meridian. Yeah, Meridian... Yeah. I can't imagine the next time I'll want to watch Meridian. Nope. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Uh, so yeah we're looking at Defiant but before then we've got there's a fair bit of Trek news this week the the most well you can decide what's the most exciting but um, we finally got an air date for the next show and we, we had all our money we hedged all our bets on Prodigy being the next show and we're completely wrong it's um, Lower Deck Season 2 and that's coming on the 12th of August, so that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, that'll be exciting. And so, what... I can't remember from what date it is. We'll be broadcasting following that. As will be... But we'll be covering... We'll be covering uh, Lower Decks on a weekly basis. Yep. As yeah. we have done previously. It'll be... Our, our episode will be out before the subsequent episode airs. Oh, yeah. So we, we just need to work it out so we're not sure when we're going to get it in the UK yet. Hopefully Amazon have picked it up since they got season one and we won't have the problems we had last year. But either way, we yeah, will be covering that. it. Yeah, let's hope they've uh, sorted out worldwide distribution. It's not like... What? It must have been nearly a six-month delay. Oh, it was a long time, far too long. But either yeah. way, we'll we'll cover it. Um, but we've got other news as well. So, Elliot, talk us through the latest Trek news. Um, well, there's been uh, quite a few leaked uh, screenshots from Strange New Worlds. Oh, has there? Uh, yeah, um, I've oh. not managed to get a screen grab of it. But um, the transporter room. Sure, this is the transporter room. Yes, yes. And they've kept it. Um, at first glance, you think that looks nothing like TOS. Mm. And then you actually look at it and you think, actually, no. They've got the big discs on the floor. They've got the green panels on the wall behind it. And yeah, it's it's very they, much... They haven't gone with lilac walls for some reason. I can't no. imagine why you wouldn't go with lilac walls. Maybe it's the, it doesn't look quite as good on the more modern cameras now. But yeah, it's very much in keeping <laughs> well, with, with what they did in Discovery Season 2, which was it it's close enough that you can recognise it, but they have modernised it so that it doesn't yeah, look out um, of place. It had quite a lot of um, almost a cream colour to it, the walls. Yeah. And to me, it looks like it's almost a blend of um, 
TOS and movies on yeah. movie sales. So as if we're sort of getting a bit of a mix of both. I think that's what they're going for with, with the sort of future retro TOS but 21st century yeah. aesthetic. Like, and Like, let's be realist. Like, we all love TOS, but you cannot make a sci-fi show in the 21st century with um, sets that look like what TOS did. No, you can I mean... TOS was brilliant for its day. And, the st- and like, we love those shows. They still stand up to us watching them. But as a new show, it wouldn't stand up. No, it wouldn't. And I'm okay with it. I know a lot of people are not happy with it. And the argument you I know can... people... The, the argument yeah, you can make is... you've got purists and they go, oh, yeah. you can't change it. You've got to change it. You do. And, you know, people will say, well, you know, why did they make a prequel if they don't want it? And, yeah, that's one answer. You just don't make a prequel and then you don't have to deal with this problem. But that'd mean we don't get Strange New Worlds and we don't get more adventures with Pike and Spock. And, yeah, well, I'm happy the, that the we get that. With Str- the thing is with Strange New Worlds is that we have the opportunity at the end of Strange New Worlds, before the original series, for the Enterprise to have another refit. Exactly. Before Kirk goes off on his five-year mission. Exactly. So it can all... If you want to lose sleep over it, you can do, but it, it can still all work, so don't worry about it. Yeah. And the other news that I saw was that we have a director confirmed for... Uh, the next movie, so we've got a confirmed writer, a confirmed director. It's a director who directed some episodes of um, WandaVision. So it, all the crew's getting in place, but we still literally know nothing whatsoever about this film. We don't know whether it's going to be a Kelvin film. We don't know whether it's going to be a spin-off from any of the shows that are currently in development. We don't know whether it's going to be something completely different. We do know it's coming out allegedly in 2022, so... Yeah, like... To me, it makes... I don't think we're going to get another Kelvin-verse film. I don't. I know everyone's going, it's going to be Kelvin-verse, and they're getting all the cast back because it's... You've got a bad robot producing it. Yeah. So it's JJ. But JJ will have a contract for the next X amount to be producer... Of the next X amount of Star Trek films. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't uh, see and it's it. Just, and it'll be just easier to keep him as producer than to try buying him out of whatever yeah, contract exactly. and he has signed. Is, he, let him, yeah, he's got a lot of money. Let him bring his producer. He knows how to produce a film. Absolutely, yeah. you want his name on it. At the end of the day, you want to be able to have a trailer that says from the producer of The Force Awakens, you know, that, what's that, the third highest grossing film of all time. You know, that's not a bad yeah. tagline to have in your trailer. So I know yeah. some people will complain about it, but yeah, I don't think it means yeah, that Let's he's... not put in the tagline uh, from the director of The Rise of Skywalker. Let's no, we'll leave that, that, leave that. But um, <laughs> yeah... Oh, the guy yeah, who it, it, wrote the story like for It's like it's funny as JJ. Like, I absolutely love some of his stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I absolutely... I'm really against some of his other stuff. I think he's... I think he's, I think he's a good producer. 
I think he's a decent director. I think, yeah, when he hits, he hits big. I think, I think when it comes to stories, I think he's a great ideas man. Yeah, definitely. And he, and he thinks up, a, and he can think up a great story. But he's no good at sort of ending them. No, and he and he's always said this. He's, he, he can get you going. He can set the balls rolling, but then he doesn't know where it's going to go. No, he's always said he's a big fan of the mystery box. So he likes setting up all these mysteries. Look at Lost. Look at uh, you know the Force Awakens, and but he doesn't. Yeah. And he believes that it's better not to answer these questions, but. General audiences, if you look at how the end of Lost is regarded now and you look at how the rise of Skywalker is regarded, general audiences disagree with him and tend to want an answer yeah. to all these big mysteries. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I haven't watched Lost. I'm one of those people who have, who've, who never got into Lost. It's good. I've tried, I've tried during lockdown to watch it and I got... Nah, it's just not. Didn't grab me. No, that's my philosophy. If you didn't but, get around to it in lockdown, you're not going to do it. So, yeah, <laughs> it's it's gone. Um, the Star Wars one at the end of three movies, I should there shouldn't be loads of mystery boxes. No, at the end. you should get them all nicely been, wrapped up. You've got six hours of screen time. A lot of movies manage to do it in one movie. Yeah, and you, you know, don't get you don't. You don't get trilogies all the time. I know a lot of movies are written now trying to create yes. these big franchises, but generally, a good movie, the, the first one comes out, and it might get a sequel because it's so good, but it has to tell its own story mm -hmm. yeah. in one go. And that's that's JJ's problem. But yeah, I don't think he's going to have any creative control over this next Star Trek film. No. I don't think it's going to be the Kelvin crew. I think Chris Pine's no, I, too like expensive make, and he's moved on. It makes sense to tie into the, to the TV universe they've got going on. I mean, best case scenario, and this is just complete pie-in-the-sky thinking, but we do an MCU with it, so we've got all these shows running, and then we have a movie that's uh, Discovery, Strange New Worlds, Picard, Section 31, crossover... And it'd yeah, be insane, been... but if they found a way to do it, I would be down for that. There's actually been more about um, Section Thirty One this week as yes, well. Yes, yeah. They're still they're still <laughs> saying that Section Thirty One is going ahead. Yes, Kurt's um, just things are delayed. Yeah, and things have been delayed because of the virus, and all the shows are running so far behind. That's why it's not and moving me... forward. And I still I still think. That the show in Picard season two and three, because the, when Picard was launched, it was said it was three seasons. That was it. Yeah. And I still think Section 31 will go into production when Picard ends. I agree with you. And you've got things like Michelle Yeoh signed up to be in The Witcher, I think it is. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not familiar with The Witcher stories or games, so I don't know if the character she's playing dies or not, but... I would guess that they've said you can go and, you know, do another show. That's fine. We don't need you until yeah. 2022 or whenever it is. Oh, um, yeah. But I don't think the fact that she's signed up for another show is indicative of the fact that Section 31's not happening. I think it's on the back burner, no, well, but it, it is happening. Yeah, but like um, like this article I read, they're, they're saying 
like they've got umpteen finished episodes. They've got finished yeah. scripts for a number of episodes for it. You don't put that sort of time in as a studio. No, you certainly if you're don't. you're not going to make the you, thing. You don't pay writers if you're, you're not going to use their work. Yeah. You know? <laughs> anyway, shall we move on then? We'll have a look at Author Author from Voyager. Now, this is what? Two episodes before the end of Voyager? Uh, this is episode 19 of season oh, 19. 7. So yeah, so there's a few. About four or five episodes till to, to the end. We'll remember that when we get to the end of this episode. So I really love the teaser of this episode. Really brief, to the point. You get the Doctor. In the beginning there was light, you know, um, referencing now, the Bible. Don't you think this is a lovely... Don't you think this is a lovely effect? Like, we've seen loads of stuff with the holodeck where things almost spring straight there. And it's like that effect is just slowed right down in slow yeah. motion. And I thought it was a lovely effect. It's a lovely way. effect, and the idea of it is great because, you know, the whole episode is about holographic rights and so the idea of a, a life being created from a hologram. <laughs> you know, it's very much a metaphor for the whole episode. And I love that it's just a really short teaser, just setting it up. It's going yeah. to be a Doctor episode. It's going to be about this. Off we go. Um, then we get a live communication with Barkley, so that's why we're covering it. Barkley's there. Um, and Admiral Paris. But Tom's not in the room, so we have the thing when they did Pathfinder the first time. And Janeway said, don't worry, your son's here, but he didn't say anything. And now it's like, oh, we're having a live yeah. video chat with your dad. But, you know, you're not coming to that either. Yeah, it's like... Well, well we have um, <coughs> the episode, what is it? Is it 30 Days? Where Tom Paris is in, is locked up, and it's the one where he gets demoted. Yeah. And he's, he's writing a uh, letter to his dad, sort of telling him what's happened. And he goes, you've got to be disappointed in me again, but here's my reasons. Uh, do you and think... I think that there's probably... I think there's probably a lot of things where, at some point, obviously, Admiral Paris is going to have been very disappointed in Tom Paris. For dropping out of the academy and yeah. going to the marquee and all that. It's so probably, probably been a huge embarrassment on his career. You think Tom might be avoiding him then out of embarrassment? Uh, well, I imagine that at some point there's been... I imagine there's been really harsh words between yeah. Admiral Paris to Tom about Maybe. his life choices and how he's carried on. The other thing I thought is... At some point. And... and, and Admiral Paris will be will have had embarrassment in his within his own career because of what's happened with his yeah, son. Yeah, true. If you're that high up and high up, you're going to be. Whoa, what's happened here? The other thing you, you're in control of all these um, all these people in Starfleet, yet you can't control your own son as a cadet. That's a fair point. Um, the the other thing I thought is maybe. Are we not doing it because we're saving it for a big emotional payoff in the finale when he, if he, if and when he finally gets to speak to him? Maybe that's why we're we're doing it. Yeah, maybe. But so, the, but I like. I think that there's been probably harshness and yeah. Like oh, I know. Days, he does. So, he writes this letter, and it's sort of a letter of apology to his dad. Yeah, that there's definitely down again and all that. Yeah, there's definitely daddy issues, but it just seems weird that we've had all these opportunities where they could have interacted with each other and we keep avoiding doing yeah. it. 
Um, then the doctor is talking to a Boolean literary agent, which is just a, the the Booleans. Like I'm not being Booleanist, but they are a comical looking species. So it's always yeah, it's always good yeah, for a with little that giggle. Split down the- yeah, it, it's always good for a giggle when you get a Boolean, but. Some of the interesting stuff here is the Doctor says, yeah, they deal in really sophisticated literature, this publishing house. But earlier on, Tom said, oh, they're they're the ones who published Dixon Hill. Now, Dixon Hill is a pulpy, noir detective drama. It's not high literature, you know. It's Yeah. And it's um... never been intended as that. So it's, I wonder, is this the Doctor's <coughs> bigging this up a bit more than it needs to be? You know, like, oh, it's, they, they only deal with the most sophisticated types of things, when actually what they really deal with is trashy stuff. And I think that's borne out a little bit by some of the things that happen later in the episode. So. Yeah, like, like I, I get the impression that No, they're not dealing in high-end. The Doctor's picking himself up. Yeah, he wants to think that the only deal in... The, and this Boolean's yeah. probably told him, like, yeah, yeah, we deal with, um, you know, all the greats, all the great literature. But, mind you, I suppose it's that thing that... I imagine that, by this time, if you've got a novel that... Like something like Dixon Hill, Pulp Fiction, that the computer could basically write that novel itself without someone write, writing the Probably, program. Probably, yeah. Well, yeah. As long I as... suppose it's quite. In- I suppose it's quite novel to have somebody who's designing holodeck programs. Yeah. To play in and interacting. Yeah, as long as you don't accidentally create that... a super villain, um, you know that's the <laughs> risk that you always think. We've got a comment here. James, you racist ass. My grandfather was a Boolean. Well, I do apologise to the <laughs> the grandson of the Boolean who's listening. Um, if you sign into um, StreamYard first, we can see yeah, who you are. Yeah, we can see who you are. You are. Maybe user. they don't want to out themselves as a descendant of Booleans. There's, there might be racial <laughs> tensions with Booleans wherever this person lives. Well, maybe they're trying to keep uh, secrets still because we're not meant to know about aliens. There you go, exactly. Exactly. Or maybe it's because... It could be an Area 51 thing. Oh, it's Dr. Squee. It's Dr. Squee telling <laughs> us. Right. Yeah, I suspected he were, had some Boolean blood, actually. Um, it explains a lot. It does, indeed. <laughs> so, we get to... Um, yeah, the Doctor... He goes, oh, Tom, try my novel out. And it's got this really long sort of preamble, basically, the Doctor telling you about the book before you start reading the book. Yeah. And some (laughs) people, I mean, the most famous example I can think of of this is if you ever read the book of The Princess Bride, there's about 60 pages of introduction, but... The introduction is actually fictional. It's it's part of the the story within the story kind of thing. But you see yeah. a lot of negative reviews of the Princess Bride going, "Oh, th- this introduction's just absolutely boring. Why am I bothering reading?" He's like, "No, that that's part of the joke. It's he's pretending that he's written this story for this reason." And Stephen King does it quite a bit. Like he has quite long introductions to some of his novels. 
And um, the Doctor's clearly... It's just the Doctor all over, isn't it? You know, you're going to yeah. enjoy my novel and I'm going to tell you how great it is before you even start it. <laughs> and chapter one is revisiting Caretaker again. Like, how yeah, many episodes have we one. covered where they go back to Caretaker and they relive bits of oh. Caretaker against so many? It, it must be three <laughs> or four episodes where they do something based yeah, on Caretaker. At least. Uh, but we're getting it again. And Chakotay is now a Bajoran and he's got this huge big tattoo. How many times have we had a joke about Chakotay's tattoo? You know, (laughs) I wonder if it's someone on the writing staff or whether it's Robert Beltran saying, you know, I hate this tattoo. Like, can can we have jokes about how crap my tattoo is? Well, well, it was one. It was like, (laughs) well, we know the reason why it looks so stupid because Native Americans don't actually have tattoos like that. Exactly. Because... Because the Mexican they hired that told him that he was Native American just made up everything that of course the they said. But, but I mean, it's good fun him having this whacking great tattoo, but it's a joke that we've done a fair few times over the yeah. years. Robert Beltram has to be in on it. He must be, yeah. He's <laughs> right. Guess what we've got for you today, Robert? Here we go. Uh, and then Tom's. Mr. Marseille instead of Mr. Paris, and he's got this moustache that... Yeah, it's great. I do enjoy it. And Janeway, though, because I've read a thing or heard a thing, I can't remember whether it was on a podcast or whether I read it somewhere, that Robert Picardo always played the Doctor as though he had a bit of a crush on Janeway. And if you look at... The way he does these characters, everyone else is just out and out mocking them. But Janeway, it's almost respectful in a way. It's like she's scarier and stronger and more powerful and doesn't stand for anything. And it's yeah. it, it's almost a bit of admiration going into how he's showing Janeway, whereas he's just taking the piss out of Tom and Chakotay. So I it, think he actually get he actually gets her right because she kills the crew member he's going to train. True, yeah. And like, if you look at it from the doctor's point of view, um, he's seen her with uh, he refused to help in the thing with uh, Tuvix. Yeah, yeah. Because of the moral dilemma, so he's actually seen her choose to kill somebody. Yeah, that's true. Above him. Um, so you can see where he's got this from, and yeah, it could be a bit of lingering Tuvix resentment from the Doctor. Yeah, and it's we get quite a good fun sort of montage sequence where we get different people trying it out and little bits and bobs that tell us more about the Doctor, like the mobile emitters, a massive, great big backpack. And yeah. <laughs> so we're finding out that even though it's this little thing that goes on his arm, he sees it as a burden. And yeah, that to be able to go anywhere, he's got to do he's something. He's got to take this thing with him. And, you know, that gives us a bit more about him. And then we see that his opinion on Tom's not changed over the years because he's basically got Tom shagging someone on the bio bed while everything yeah. else is going on. <laughs> and you get Tuvox got a, a beard like he's from the, the Mirror Universe and... 
you get Janeway threatening to reprogram the Doctor, which I think she has done in the real continuity at some point. Yeah, she has reprogrammed him. Exactly. So, um, yeah, he's a, maybe he does carry a bit of yeah, resentment you, towards Janeway. You get uh, Tori threatening him that, that I'll reprogram you. Yeah. And she's done that. You're right. Um, you get where you can see that he def- his attraction to Seven of Nine, oh. and that is shown in quite a number of episodes. Yeah. He and definitely it, has a thing for Seven of oh, Nine. Well, I think everybody has a thing for Seven of Nine, but, but yeah, like he's got her here as a redhead, and he's got all her implants are like blingier and sexier, and her hair's much yeah. less severe. <laughs> She's wearing it down instead of. Yeah. And then. Janeway sort of. She tries it out and the pro the doctor gets deleted at the end of the story. So it's a very sort of nihilistic story that the doctor's framing here. But then of course he jumps in and has this little in case you didn't get the moral of the story, the doctor jumps in at the end to tell you what you should be thinking. And you know, <laughs> it's you need to think about holograms yeah. and everything. Yeah, God forbid having an having an original idea, you will think this. About yeah, this exactly. Story. He comes in and tells you what you should be what you should be doing. Um, and so it's a really fun sort of first half of the episode, and yeah, it does transition like, to a Jane bit Wake more. Call, Janeway calls him after she's played it, which is obviously what's going to happen. Yeah. And she's not happy. And it's how he's going, what, it's pure fiction, it's not based on anyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's like, mm, Mr. Marseille, I see. They all look like us and you've altered a vowel in the name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, we've got another comment from Dr. Squee. He says, as much as this has the laughs and lots of dumb things in it, I do love them exploring how people see themselves, Yeah. The mobile emitter feels like what separate the Doctor from everyone else, like someone with a feature no one else notices that you hate. Yeah, I think that's bang on. You know what? I think Doctor Squeak could be honest actually does say sometimes. About the emitter. Yeah, he does. And it is good how it does give you these little bits of character bits and pieces. And the second half of the episode, then, we get a bit more comedy with Tom, like when he reprograms it. And... Obviously, he's doing it to expose the Doctor as, right, well, this is what you've done to us, so we're going to do this to you now. And he's got <coughs> the Doctor, and he's got a comb yeah, this over. Is how I s- well, this is how I see you, that you'll drug seven of nine so you can yes, have your way with her. that's... <laughs> I mean, it's one of them, isn't it? And we, we've hit upon these a few times, where I get the joke, the joke works... But it's a joke that you wouldn't do now, I don't think, in, with this lightness of touch. I don't think no. you could do what is effectively a date rape joke in a, um, <laughs> a family viewing programme and deal with it in such a light-hearted fashion. And we get a couple of weird bits where we get these interspersed with other characters talking to people, so... You get basically Harry Kim's parents who 
they're in on the joke as well because they're just taking the piss about why he's not got promoted. So, yeah, when are you going to get promoted? <laughs> yeah, so clearly they've been on the, the Star Trek Voyager messaging boards to have a bit of a laugh with him as well, <laughs> you know. And Bilana has a chat with her dad. So we're obviously setting things up for, I yeah. I think we, it's nice that um, Seven of Nine finds that she's got relatives yes, still on her. Yes, that's a really nice scene. And the fact that her auntie's so accepting of her and just says yeah, how great and, it is to see her again. Seven of Nine struggles with it in, like, she was, like, what, she was about five or six when she yeah. last saw her. And she's apologising for things she did. And she goes, no, you don't need to apologise. Yeah, because Seven doesn't get that, like, no, that's a, that's a nice memory that her auntie's talking yeah. about. But she's literally like, oh, I did something wrong. And, yeah, it's really nice stuff. It's... It's bits like this, and we will come to Caretaker, uh, not Caretaker, Endgame in due course, but it's things like this that make you wish we'd got a bit more of Voyager actually coming home and seeing how people react to them and yeah, reintegrating like, with everyone. I, o I always feel that <laughs> um, Voyager should have either had one more episode, almost like an epilogue, yeah, definitely. Or Endgame, how it was a two-parter. They should have got home halfway through yeah. part two. And we had just, like, 20 minutes of them sort of seeing the families. Yeah, or it'd have warranted it, definitely. little things. Need to get, like, Peter Jackson should have done it, like, the end of Return of the King, you know, that that's how you do an ending. You do yeah. seven of them, one after the other, but... Speaking yeah. of Seven of Nine as well, it's a good running gag in the episode that they keep changing her designation depending on whose program it is. So yeah. <laughs> she gets sort of promoted and demoted effectively. Um, then it comes to a bit of a Diet Coke version of Measure of a Man, really. Like, we, we're not devoting enough of this episode to do it justice, so we're not going to hit that heights there. But we do get some nice well, moments, like... Um, well, it starts, doesn't it, with uh, Reg, Reg Barkley tells yeah. the Admiral that he's discovered this holodeck programme. Yes, exactly. And it's the Doctor's programme that he's asked not to be released yet. Well, this is it, and this is what I mean about the bully and maybe not being quite as highbrow as he met out, because he's like, nope, not going to let you change it, I'm getting it out there, I'm going to make some money off it. It, it, it'd have been good if the bullion had been revealed to be a Ferengi or something. That would have made a lot of sense. And I, have a Ferengi partner. Yes, that would have been good. I like the way Tuvok argues. He's like, okay, we don't necessarily have to argue that the Doctor is a person, just that he's recognised as an artist. And artists are protected. And I thought that's a really yeah. clever way of getting round doing the same argument again. You know, we don't have to yeah, do we're not, the measure of a man again. We're not trying to argue for all his rights. We're just trying to argue for his yeah. artistic and, rights. And if you admit that he's capable of producing art, then he is entitled to the protections that an artist has, regardless of whether he's a person or not. And I think that's a really clever bit of legal wrangling by Tuvok. Yeah. But like, the Volian tries to use a... A similar argument to Measure of Man, and he goes, "This replicator made a cup of coffee, but I don't, I don't claim that it can make something original." 
and it's sort of uh, Mine, wait it's until... not the same as it as writing a holodeck program yeah and wait until the replicator malfunctions they've come out with some really original stuff over years when people have ordered yeah. things and it's not been um, <laughs> Dr. Squeak says I think a homecoming scene for the last episode maybe in montage would have worked well I agree definitely yeah, something but we'll we'll do that for Endgame. Doctor Squeak, why don't you come on when we do Endgame and we'll talk about what's wrong with the the Voyager finale? Just inboxes, as they say about that, and we'll sort something out there. <laughs> um, yeah, effectively, then it does come to a bit of speechifying by Janeway. You know, let's recognise the Doctor as a person, and eventually we get a little concession to it. Which is the judge rules that the Doctor is an artist. So Tuvok's ploy worked. We'll recognise yeah, him as an artist. He's an artist, so he, he has control of his work. But And I think the judge advocate makes the right call that he hasn't got enough information here. Yeah. That he's not willing to make a call. And if no, exactly. Doctor, a person or not. And, like, let's be fair here. This uh, hearing, they said it uh, is lasting three days, which is only 33 minutes they've actually had. To True, talk yeah, stuff. they've done it really, really quickly. It's an open and shut, isn't it? Um, then, finally then, the episode finishes with the EMHs that, as we know from previous episodes, are mining and yeah, they're in the dilithium yeah. mines. They've got the Doctor's book, and it's like, oh, this could be, you know, like a call to arms or an inspiration or whatever, but... And this is why I asked you when this episode was, because that's four months later. So Voyager's home by the time they're doing this. And that's just weird when you think about it. It's like, uh, it's okay, so it's... There's this black market book, but the Doctor... Could have got home and made his revisions and put it out there, and it yeah. you, you would think it'd be more famous rather than just being an underground well, thing. I think it's, I think it's uh, the fact that it's um, his programs that are watching it that are seen. Yeah, I, I get why that scene's there, but it's just it's just weird when you think that it's yeah, not as disconnected. We say that it's a week per episode, don't we? Yeah. So it, that sequence is not as disconnected as it would probably have us believe. You know, we're supposed to think yeah. this, this is Voyager still out there, but the Doctor's words are reaching other people. Um, but Yeah, but the Doctor's gone by then. Exactly. The Doctor could have gone down there and gone, do you want a copy of my book? Anyway. But of course they're not going to give that yeah, away. Yeah, could be doing autograph sessions. He's got a mobile on there. Yeah, because... <laughs> Obviously, no one at this point in Voyager's history suspected that this would be the final season and that Voyager would be getting home in three weeks' time. Obviously. <laughs> right, so let's move on to DS9 then, Defiant, the Dominion War, kind of. Um, all will become clear. Now, this is... and We often come to this when we talk about DS9. How it subverts expectations, because... The episode starts with Kira having a bad day. And any other Trek show of that era, TNG, Voyager, this would be an out-and-out Kira episode. It'd all be about Kira. And that, but 
it is heavily a Kira episode, but it's not just a Kira episode, and it does so many yeah, other things. Like, to be fair, <laughs> I like I know how it starts, but I don't think of this as a Kira no, episode. No, I don't. But if you just watch the teaser, you would think this is going to oh, be. Oh yeah. So again, it's DS Nine can play with those conventions, and what's great about it is they, you know. These conventions have only existed for about seven years at this point. TNG's been doing it. And then DS9 already is going, well, let's have a little bit of fun with that. Let's start an episode making it look like it's a Kira episode. And you know what? It's actually going to be a war episode, and it's going to be an episode that's got incredible ramifications for later on in the season. Yeah. And we're going to bring a TNG star onto it, but not in the way you think. It's like, whoa, this is quite ambitious for 45 minutes, DS9. <laughs> I do, though, have to give a, a bit of a slapped wrist to CIC video that used to release uh, Star Trek on VHS in the UK. And the DS9 covers, which anyone who's not from the UK hasn't seen the DS9 VHS covers, Google them because they, they were great. They were fantastic artwork. And I got this video, and on the front of it is Jonathan Frakes. And I'm thinking, ooh, Riker's in this episode. Turn it over. Every episode, they had a quote. Every video, they had a quote from one of the two episodes. And it said, you shouldn't go fishing today. You won't catch anything. Tom Riker. I'm like, well, that's just given away a spoiler for the episode. Yeah. You know, it should have just said Riker. And apart from how else, out, think, out of context, that's not a great quote. I originally, I originally had this on video in the transporter box set. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, didn't... Which was... That was a great that, box set. Like, it was a great box set because it had sound effects every yeah, time you took the video. Every time you took a video, what were the? I think I've still got that somewhere. I'm not sure if I've still got the videos. I bet the batteries but I have, have still gone. Got, I think I've still got the box set. <laughs> yeah, it was good that box set. And yeah, you had it had Unification one and two. It had Defiant, it had Relics, Sarek, uh, and, and it had the um, Klingon one from DS9. Uh, uh, yeah, Blood Earth. Yeah, there were six episodes, weren't they, on it? Back in the day where yeah. you used to pay 30 quid for box sets with six episodes of Star Trek. They won't get away with it now. You buy, like, the entire. Oh, you could with that one, because it had sound effects. That's true. You and, could, it, it, and it looked like a transporter pad. It did, pad. it did, because it had the, the people were beaming up on the box, weren't they? Yeah, that was an awesome yeah. box set. Anyway, <clears throat> so slap on the wrist <laughs> for uh, CIC video, but well done for making a transporter box set. Um... So one of the things that winds Kira up is Bashir wants to send a runabout to Vulcan. I don't blame her for saying no, that's going to take weeks. Like, we know that runabouts can't go at a high level of warp. We know yeah, that Vulcan's uh, slap bang in the middle of the Federation and DS9's out on the thing. We know it takes about three weeks to get to Earth. So it's going to take... A tie warp. Yeah. A runabout would probably take... Take about two, three months, I imagine, to get to Vulcan. Exactly. So whatever these medical supplies is he needs, unless it's, I hope it's not someone who's urgently, you know, struggling with it. Yeah. Well, it says it's, uh, it's all about, a co was it colonising somewhere? Something like that, yeah. I hope they're not rebuilding the new Bajor colony in the Gamma Quadrants. That didn't go well. 
Um, then... Oh, only if Cisco said it was necessary. Well, of course, yeah. <laughs> then, um, Bashir says, right, Kira, you've got to go relax. What does he do? He takes her to Quark's, and Quark goes, I've got for you a holodeck voucher. What, you mean like last week when you tried to get me in a holodeck so that you could scan my body to make me into a sex program? <laughs> I'm not falling for that yeah. two weeks in a row, Quark. <laughs> you know? And then... Riker turns up, typical Riker, looking very, very smug and hitting on Kira. Um, yeah, did you Did you ever... I mean, I never knew it wasn't Will Riker because of the, the box. Did you, uh, first time you watched it? First time I watched it, I just thought it was, it was Riker. Oh, excellent. So you actually like, got the First time I watched twist. it, I thought it was Will, Will Riker. There was no reason... Not to, because no. the first time I saw it was on TV. Yeah. And, and we said this before, you didn't get, back no. when this was out, and you didn't get spoilers like you do now. No, you didn't. And, like, I find it really hard when I'm watching a series that's weekly nowadays to avoid spoilers. Yes, definitely. If you don't it's, watch it's, it within... It's awful. It's like I watch The Bad Batch every week when it comes out. But within an hour of it being out on Dis Disney Plus, there's spoilers about the episode and all over the YouTube. This is the thing with global. It's like, give me a chance to watch it. Yeah, global simultaneous release. It it hits at midnight in America, so we're about seven or eight hours ahead, depending on which part of America and what time of year. It anyway. Yeah. So by the time we wake up, which is the earliest point we could have watched the episode, it's already all over the place. Um, but yeah, yeah you're right, we didn't get that back in them days. Um, Cisco and Riker, I really like this scene because they're, I mean, obviously we know it's Tom really, but it, if you take it at face value and it's supposed to be Will, I like that it's two commanders having a chat, so they're at the same level. And yeah. we, we don't often see Riker, he's either talking to Picard, who's his commanding officer, or he's talking to someone who's below him, so he's the first officer. Yeah. But to see like, him, oh, we know not that, him... We know that the Enterprise brought Cisco to DS9 from Emissary. And we know that Cisco had a problem with uh, Descartes, and, but that was purely because of Worf. Um, 369? Yeah, three, uh, Wolf 359. Yeah, 359. Um, but we don't see anything else about his interactions on the Enterprise. No, we don't. I imagine that he got on with a lot of... I imagine he got on with a lot of people on the Enterprise. I think he would have done, yeah. And it, the thing and is... he's probably had time to actually be friends with Riker before from being on the Enterprise. Yeah. But the thing is, if this had have been Will Riker, it might have been a little bit different because Picard might have gone, oh, you're off to see that asshole Cisco, are you? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Dr. Squee says, I thought it was weird how O'Brien just goes along with Thomas asking as if they'd had a dust-up. I've got a theory on this, so we're going to get to it, Dr. Squee. Hang on a few minutes and we will get there. So I do have a theory as to why he doesn't do that. Um, there are now, clues. Is, that, that was actually my first time in the episode. I thought something yeah. was wrong. And that's one of your clues that it's not Will. The other one is that he doesn't recognise Dax straight away. And he manages to play yeah. it off as, oh, you know, I'm a bit drunk, I don't quite remember, but it, it is a little clue seeded there. And he does 
Play it pretty cool, as in, oh, maybe I could have a tour of the station. Maybe I could see your new ship, and it gets him onto the Defiant. It's got a cool hand scanner, so at least they're taking extra precautions. Not just anybody can wander onto the Defiant. We'll keep an eye on yeah, whether that's he, still he there. The he has the same DNA and everything as... He does. Will Riker, doesn't he? So... He does. Now, this is the O'Brien bit, then. And a lot of people... I see people every so often on, um, you know, comment chat groups and things like that, and they keep saying, what was the fallout that Riker and O'Brien had? So, there wasn't one. This is Tom it, doing this it is because... Tom, o Paris. Tom Paris is annoyed at O'Brien because O'Brien is the one who caused, was in charge of the transporter Ooh, when Tom got trapped. But the, the reason I yeah, think no, he's that's doing why, it... That's what the... That's what Tom Riker's problem is with O'Brien. Well, I don't think... But Will Riker doesn't have a problem with O'Brien because Will Riker beamed up from the planet. True. O'Brien saved him. I don't think Tom Riker does have a problem with O'Brien. I think he knows that O'Brien knows Will Riker quite well. So if he engages in a conversation with him, O'Brien's likely to rumble it. So Tom does this thing of saying, you know, I, do, I don't want to talk to you, O'Brien. I think you know why. The reason I don't think, to answer Dr. Squee's question, that O'Brien challenges it is because if you look at O'Brien, he, with him being a non-commissioned officer, he's very humble in terms of the chain of command. Like, if you look at how he interacts with other officers, anyone who outranks him, which is pretty much everyone... He's very humble and very subservient with them. So I think Tom Riker knows this. <clears throat> so he puts O'Brien in this awkward situation because he knows that O'Brien, because he's his superior officer, will not challenge him to his face. And oh, I think right. that's how he gets away with it. That's always been my take on it. Um, yeah, that's a good, good theory on it. Like, I've always assumed that Tom Riker, when he says, I've nothing to say to you, and I think you know why, is that he's referring to the transporter accident. Was it O'Brien, though? Because did didn't that take place years yeah. and years ago? Was it definitely... Yeah, it was O'Brien. Ah. Yeah, it was O'Brien, yeah. Okay. That's another good one, then, yeah? Now, we get the reveal that it's Tom Riker, where he peels off the sideburns. Why? <laughs> Why are we doing... Like, are you telling me that if he'd have turned up with his goatee instead of his beard, somebody on the station would have gone, that's not Will Riker. Will Riker has a full beard, not a sideburn. Well, I'm, I'm assuming that if anybody's been in communication, because you don't know what communications could be going on, he has no idea what could be going on through Starfleet Command and all that communication. Maybe. Someone's recently had... Communiques are being in contact with Will Riker, and he does have a full beard. Why alter it? Yeah. Go with how he looks at the True. time. True, it's it's very silly. But though, surely, if he's been planning off. this, because he's obviously been planning this mission, he could have grown this isn't it out. Of the moment, surely he could have taken uh, in them couple of weeks he was planning. He could have just grown that part. In. You'd have thought he could have done, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, <laughs> it's good fun. It's very silly. It's very campy. Um, and he obviously it's very secret agent it is isn't it it's this very is my daft. disguise 
then uh, we get like we do get a really quick recap for Gulder Cat's benefit of what happened in the TNG episode Second Chances. And I love the fact that the cat's there just with his bottle of Cardassian Canar. He's like, I'm going to need a drink for this, you know. You see, all this could... Like, the thing is, with Second Chances, when they get Tom back, Janeway was still in the Alpha Quadrant then. They could have solved all this from never happening because she'd have just merged them back together. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, she would have done. (laughs) She'd have killed both of them. Um, Yeah, you're right. So... Dukat, I love the bit where Dukat go, they go, well, let's just explain to the Cardassians what's going on. And Dukat rightly goes, do you think they're going to buy your story about a transporter accident that split an officer in two and now one of them's joined the Maquis and stolen the ship? Whatever. And he's like, absolutely <laughs> they're not going to buy that. Well played, Dukat. You're absolutely right. And he is right. He's like, right. This yeah. is one of those <coughs> those occasions where the Kardashians are in the wrong in this episode. Well, the Kardashian military isn't in the wrong in this episode. No, no. What they do. No, the, the, I mean, he has stolen a warship and he's, he's gone into their territory. They're lucky, in fact, really. Like, Kira says to him later on, don't she? She's like, I'd have just been blasting this left, right and centre. Yeah. So the Cardassians yeah, are actually you're lucky. You're in the marquee. You're meant to be a terrorist. You're not acting like a terrorist. Yeah. They're lucky that he's had this intel and thinks that he's off on a mission if it had been someone else yeah. who had it. Like, I wonder what Chakotay would have done if he'd have got hold of the Defiant. Oh, Chakotay would Pro- have gone round... Uh, Chakotay had probably got Ducat as um, his first officer, uh, <laughs> Cisco on board somehow. <laughs> yeah, he'd have, probably, he'd have built a wooden bath to go on the Defiant first and got his little monkey to go with him. But anyway, he'd probably got a new tattoo to, to prove it. But anyway, um, then we meet a representative from the Obsidian Order and I love that she knows that the Defiant's got a cloaking device. And you could read this one of two ways. It's either she knows because she's in the Obsidian Order and they know things. Or, bearing in mind what we find out later on, does she know because the Tal Shiar have told her? Because we find out later on that the Obsidian Order is working with the Tal Shiar. So is that how she yeah. knows? And it, is this a very, very subtle clue as to uh, an alignment between the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order? I only thought it, of that this like, time, knowing, but... Knowing what we know now, it makes sense that the Tal Shiar have actually let her know. Yeah, exactly. It's because, a, they do fit, because they do fit all these um, Kardashian ships with cloaking devices. Yeah. Oh, they do, yeah, as we're going to find out. Building. And then, um, now we get the biggest, most spectacular space battle we have ever seen in Star Trek on telly, but it's all on a view screen. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not even a view screen, it's just uh, graphical representations. uh, Which, to be fair, and I know why they're doing it, they're doing it to save money, but if you watch something like Battlestar Galactica... They're, they never have a viewer like Star Trek does. They're always just watching a tactical display, which 
it, that is what happens on a real military vessel. You don't... I mean, we don't have the technology yeah. to do it like they do in Star Trek, but, you know, this is probably what this would look like. But we want to see a big battle. Come on. To yeah, the, like, we do have some big battles coming up. We in, do, yeah. In DS9 like, gets better with that. Like, let's, let's be fair to DS9. Like, they did this and we have... Like you said, it's the biggest battles going on ever in Star Trek, and we just get tactical displays of nearly all of it. Yeah, but it, it doesn't stay like that in DS9. No, it doesn't. For very in, long. in fact, the the <laughs> next few episodes we're going to be looking at, we get more. Um, but it, it's to this episode's credit that it is still a really exciting, gripping episode, even though we're not getting to yeah. see all this stuff. We are just getting it. Um, well, I think it just shows that when you've got good writing and a good story, yeah, you don't need the blockbuster effects. No, you don't. Like to carry the story. Look at balance. We love the blockbuster effects, but you don't actually need them to look carry at the balance story. of terror from TOS. Um, where yeah. you know that's a fantastic <laughs> episode. Um, Tom calls the Defiant a tough little ship, which. Is exactly what Will Riker calls it in First Contact. Yeah. Which is a really <laughs> nice... So it shows their brains still work the same way, even though they're, you know, different people to all intents and purposes. There's <clears throat> a nice bit with Descartes where he's talking about his son's birthday and Cisco sort of tries to bond with him, you know, oh, I'm a father as well and don't they grow up fast and all this and... Ducat says, no, he's just going to end up hating the Federation because it's took his father away yeah. from him. And Ducat says, that's yeah. really sad. And it's like, knowing what we know where Ducat goes, does he mean that or does he not? Is he is he playing a game here? Is he, is um, he at the stage where he's like, Cardassia at the minute is trying to be peaceful with the Federation, so I'm going to make it look like I am. Yeah, I... I think the Kardashians have a really strong family bond. Oh, they so definitely do. It is sad that that happens to his, his kids. Yeah. But, but as, the, as the children get older, they're expected to go out and fight the wars. Yeah. But they're meant to have a nice... But they like them to have a nice childhood. Yes. I, I do think Ducat's got one of the most fascinating character arcs in... Not just in Star Trek, oh. in, in TV drama, is... How he goes from Hitler to a freedom fighter to Hitler again <laughs> to um, the devil. You know, it's just amazing. <laughs> and it's hard to know at any one time where exactly is he on that spectrum at the minute. So I think at this point... Yeah, and, it, and, <coughs> and it's also, at which point is he going to flip again? Yeah, because at this point, <laughs> watching it through... You're starting to quite like Ducat, you know, he, he's turned yeah. up in a few, and you're thinking, oh, it's not too bad, you know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and then this is where it kind of comes to a bit of a head, like the Obsidian Order lady sort of overrules sh sending ships to the Arias system, and we get these new ships appearing, which are basically more tooled up versions of the the regular Cardassian the ships. And... The Obsidian Order's not meant to even have ships. Yeah. So there's a load of intrigue going on, and you can tell Ducat is not happy about that. Like, 
he likes to be the man who's in charge and he yeah. really well, doesn't well, he like says, it. Well, he says, doesn't he, it's like... It's like they have the central intelligence, central intelligence, whatever that is. So the, but then they have the military and then they have the intelligence arm. Yeah. And both are separate. And the military doesn't conduct intelligence and the intelligence arm doesn't have back warships and all that and do yeah. military stuff. But and do- they don't talk to each other. They don't like each other. But exactly. it all works for their society. Uh, but Ducat likes to think that he he's the intelligence as well as the military. And I don't think he ever likes yeah. a reminder that he's not as powerful as he likes to think he is. And that's what this woman is doing. She's very much in charge of this situation. And even in the midst of all this, like, you know, this could be a disaster for Cardassia, uh, a Mackie guy could do anything with the Defiant, but Ducat manages to wangle a little bit of political clout out of it. Is okay, I want them scans of that system. And Cisco, to his credit as well, takes advantage of it. He's like, well, I, I can get Kira and the ship back if I negotiate yeah, with Ducat I, now. I want my ship back. Um, and like Ducat says, well, somebody's going to have to pay for it. Yeah. And it's Tom Riker. Yeah, which... And he goes, yeah, but we know how uh, Kardashian politics works. He'll it, it, be executed. Yeah. <laughs> but they managed well, to... Well, no, we'll just put... We'll just make it life. <laughs> yeah, and they do manage to leave him alive. And it's such a shame we never come back to Tom Riker. Yeah. Uh, he's been in some of the books. Like, uh, Imzadi 2 by Peter David has Tom Riker in it. I think it's Imzadi 2. Or it might be, actually, it might be one of the New Frontier books. Don't quote me on that. But um, definitely in one of them, it has Tom Riker. And I think he's having an affair with Sealer in it. Um, so, you know, it brings back all these characters that we never quite finished the story yeah. arcs with. But, yeah, I would have loved to have seen Tom Riker again and seen what happened when they get him out of Cardassia. Yeah, or... Like, how we know that, how much we know now, Jonathan Frakes just loves to be in every yeah. form of Star Trek that he possibly can. Like, I'm still interested how he's going to wrangle his way into... Um, Prodigy and Discovery. He will. He will. He'll find a way. There'll be a... Yeah, <laughs> definitely. We're going to see Jonathan but Briggs. you'd have thought then. that he'd have been up to coming back. Maybe he was. Maybe it was a scheduling thing. You know, they just never quite yeah. find the right story or never fa- quite found the right way to do it. And they had to kind yeah. of brush the Mackie under the carpet once the Dominion War ramped up. So maybe just that... You had that little window up until about mid to late season five where you could have done that story, and then after that, we've moved on. So it, it is a shame, but like, how good would a Mackie spin off of Bingo Sense and Rowe joins the Mackie? You know, you could have Tom Riker, Ensign oh, no. Rowe, Chicote could come back, and he could nah, actually leave Chicote out of it, but. Yeah, we could have done something with it. But anyway, you've got the Peter David novels if you want to see it. Um, and this is where Kira's saying, you know, you just want to be different than Will Riker and you want to do this and that and the other. And uh, This is when he says you shouldn't go fishing today. You won't catch anything, which they put on the back of the video box, which makes no sense out of context. But within the context of the episode, not a bad line. Yeah. It was just bizarre reading it on the side of the box like you are. 
And we do get a little clip of the Defiant in action. We get a little snippet. We get to see it shooting against yeah, the Cardassian uh, ships. Like, to be fair, what we've seen, what else we see of the <coughs> Defiant, the Defiant would have absolutely destroyed that ship. Yes, I think it would have. I think it's when, because they get to the stage up and say, there's three in front of you, there's ten behind you. Even the Defiant's yeah. not going to manage that. And then, of course, before he beams up, Tom goes in and gets a kiss from Kira. I wonder what Vedic Burial would have thought. <laughs> you know what? We don't really care what Vedic Burial would have thought, we do we? I don't think he'd have cared. He's not uh, boring. Someone's been kissing it, your girlfriend. It, oh. it, he is. He's an awful. <laughs> he is. He's an awful character. He is so boring. As long and as I, I don't know if it's the actor's fault or the writing or what. Bit of both, maybe. But I it's hard know. to imagine it being with the writing because DS9's so good with characters. Generally, he's so good. And I've not seen Philip. Angle him or whatever he's called him very much other than this, so we'll leave it there. No. Yeah, so that's Defiant, and obviously the reason that we've covered it, there's no direct Dominion War stuff, but the Obsidian Order going forward is going to play a massive role in the Dominion War, so yeah, that's why we've... It, like, um, it's quite important, the Obsidian Order building the own fleet of ships. Yes, absolutely, and, that, and that's another thing that gets paid off, like... In other Trek shows, this would have just been a one-off episode and we wouldn't have come back to yeah. that, but it's very cleverly and very clearly planting a seed there to say the Cardassians oh, like, are building something. We're going to come back to that. Yeah, the, there's like... Like, we're already well into the... I don't think any of us realised exactly where DS9 was going to go no, this no. time. And, and how much of just a story mm -hmm. it was going to tell for so many seasons no exactly but when you when you do know that when you're watching it again you can go you can see all these bits that are leading yeah. up to and to one to yeah, a, and that's absolutely. why we're covering these episodes yeah <laughs> and another one next week that again isn't necessarily dominion war heavy but it does feature one of the founders, so we've got to cover it, is Heart of Stone. Um, but because yep. that's not necessarily the most thrilling episode, we're going to have a bit of fun and cover Bride of Chaotica from Voyager as well. So that's what yeah, we've got um, coming up next week. Hopefully we should have a lot of uh, news next week as well, because it's Cause. Um, San Diego Comic Con yes. this weekend. Yeah, there's some panels. Online again. Um, and we're hoping that, like, I'm hoping that we could get a proper trailer for Strange New Worlds. That's release. number one on my wish list. Um, probably a proper trailer for Prodigy. Yeah. And a trailer for um, Lower Decks. Yeah, or a, even a full-length trailer for Discovery Season 4. We've had a little teaser, but... Yeah. Presumably they've got a lot more well, in I the think, can now. So I think now that they've nearly finished shooting Strange New Worlds, yeah. they're, they're literally at the point of wrapping up the final episode. Yeah. We do a trailer at Definitely. San Diego Comic Con. It'd be the perfect place it's to the, drop. Absolutely. Yeah, that's my number one. The first trailer. That's number one. I want to see and that. I think, and 
We've seen screen grabs for Lower Decks, and we've seen screenshots for Prodigy, but what, we only, what, three, four weeks off Lower Decks, so a trailer's <coughs> probably in order. Yeah, we want a lot of Trek to talk about, but either way, we'll bring yeah. you all the news next time. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, we'll have to see how much news we yeah. get for what we actually do next week. But we might have to change next week. We, might have, to, we <laughs> might have to drop out of stone. Oh, no. Anyway, we'll see. <laughs> um, so if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. Um, you can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com, or you can come and join us on the Facebook group. Just search for Retrek. Thanks for trekking with us this time, and we will see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.